There is a great South African proverb that says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the nation and its destiny. In other words, the one who shapes the minds of children shapes the future of the nation. And since mothers usually spend the most time around their children, mothers shape the future of our nation, of any nation. Just look at the United States and two of our most influential presidents. George Washington is usually regarded as the forefather of our country. He led us to victory in the Revolutionary War. He was the first president of our country, and he was a man of tremendous character. His father passed away when he was only 11, and his mother raised him and left a profound impact on his life. He wrote later of his mother, All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Very high praise, right? Abraham Lincoln. I think it's safe to say he's another great president, right? He lost his biological mother at the age of nine. His father remarried, and his stepmother developed a close bond with young Abraham, showing that motherhood is more than just biological, or can be. He called her his angel mother. She civilized him. He was a pretty rough character growing up there on the frontier lands, and encouraged his education. And like Washington, he would say of his mother later, All that I am, or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. So whether you're talking about a great president or just regular citizens like you and me, our mothers truly shape our nation and mothers truly shape the, the church as well. So knowing this importance, it's no surprise that Scripture has a lot to say about motherhood. So in light of Mother's Day, I wanted to take a week off from the book of Daniel and to come back to that next week, but to speak about the portrait of a godly mother. The portrait of a godly mother. Now my aim is to really exalt the great impact that mothers make and also to urge mothers in our midst onward in their great God-given calling. So we're going to look at three virtues of a godly mother here this morning from various passages, and hopefully it will be a benefit to everyone here today, whether you're a mother or not. So the first virtue I want us to look at here today is passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. The biblical example is Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. So I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 as we look at the example of this very godly mother. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Using one of the Bibles in front of you, page 225 is where you'll find our passage. So the book begins with Hannah, who is married to a man named Elkanah, and she was unable to conceive, and it grieved her. So let us read how she handled her troubling situation. 
So we'll pick up in verses 9 and following. It says, After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, saying only or only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on, bring, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now as you read that passage... What strikes you the most? I don't know about you, but I'm really struck by the depth of her burden. Did you catch that when you were reading through? How in verse 10 it says she was deeply distressed, how she wept bitterly. In verse 11, she, dis- she makes this vow to the Lord, which was probably a Nazarite vow, similar to what Samson was devoted to, where they wouldn't have um, a razor taken to their head. And this total consecration to the Lord. Usually that was for a short period of time. But here she's devoting Samuel for the rest of his life to the Lord. So she's so burdened by this. And then in verse 15 and 16, just to read it again, it says, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So Hannah doesn't, she doesn't cover over her burdens, does she? She doesn't try to pretend that she's superwoman and she's got it all together and nothing bothers her, but she shares her burden with the Lord, pours out her soul, and the Lord answers her request and allows her to have a son named Samuel, who we know goes on to be one of the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament. So just looking at the life of Hannah... Mom, I believe one of the greatest things that you could possibly do, and all of us, on behalf of your children, whether they are young or old, is to pray passionately for them. Pray for them to have favor with their teachers and their classmates and their teammates. Pray for them to to stay clear of detrimental friendships and relationships. 
Pray for them to seek the Lord rather than the temptations of the world. Pray, pray, pray. I really believe that there is more value and more worth than those precious tears of intercessory prayer that you give on behalf of your children than all of the money and all of the clothes and toys and electronics that you could mound up together and you put them on a scale. They would be nothing compared to those precious, passionate prayers on behalf of your kids. A great example of this occurred with the... uh, very influential church leader named Augustine and his mother, Monica, in the 4th century. She became a Christian growing up but was given in marriage to a non-Christian and that really hindered her desire for Augustine, her son, to become a Christian. However, she remained steadfast in her prayers for him. Now, for a long time, her efforts seemed pretty hopeless. Augustine was an incredibly brilliant man And that was part of his problem. He loved his intellect. And he also loved to chase after vice and sexual immorality. He dismissed his mother's faith and basically pursued his ambition in sin. Monica could not convince him about Christianity. But you know what? She didn't give up. She continued to pray for Augustine. On one occasion, a bishop heard her praying and comforted her by saying, it cannot be that the son of these tears should be lost. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? It cannot be that the son of these tears should be lost. Well, eventually Augustine traveled to the city of Milan, where he met a man named Ambrose, who was the bishop of Milan. And Ambrose was also a man of deep intellect and was able to answer some of Augustine's questions. And eventually Augustine became a Christian and his mother witnessed his baptism. She died soon after but could rejoice knowing that her prayers had been answered. Augustine would go on to become, of course, the bishop of the city of Hippo and perhaps the greatest theologian that has ever lived in the church. But despite the way the Lord used him and rose him up to prominence, he never lost sight of the fact that it was the prayers of his mom that made the difference. In his famous book, Confessions, he writes, which is basically a book of prayer to God, he writes these words about his mother, who who he said was, Now gone from my sight, who for years had wept over me that I might live in God's sight. Isn't that beautiful? The passionate prayers of a mother. So powerful. That's one key virtue of a biblical, godly mother. A second virtue of a godly mother is her excellent character. Her excellent character. We find a wonderful example in Proverbs 31. I invite you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 31. Of course, Proverbs is a great book filled with tremendous wisdom and how we're supposed to live our lives and to live for the Lord's glory. And the book of Proverbs closes with this beautiful portrait of a woman with excellent character. It says in verse 10, and we're not going to read all the verses here, but 10 to 31 is this great portrait 
of this woman here. But it says in verse 10, it begins with this question, an excellent wife, who can find? She is more precious than jewels. It refers to wife, his wife, but children are no doubt included in this thought because the passage goes on to speak of both a mother and a wife. So I think the ideas are intertwined here. So the excellent wife, the excellent mother, who can find? Now the word excellent is really important to understand here because the whole next 20 verses or so describe what it means to be excellent. The basic idea behind the Hebrew word translated excellent is strength and power. Strength and power. You say, well, how is the excellent wife strong? Well, it refers to her strength and vigor toward her home and toward the Lord. And so the passage unfolds and just really awesome depiction here of these two areas of a woman with excellent character. First of all, she cares for her home. It says in verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household. She looks well to the ways of her household. That term looks well, it actually means lookout post, right? In those days they would have a lookout post to be on the lookout to make sure there's no problems or troubles that might come their way. And so the woman with excellent character is on the lookout for her home to make sure that it's being cared for and properly looked after. Coupled with that, if we work through the passage, we would see that the woman with excellent character works, uh, works tremendously hard. She has tremendous diligence. She, they mention a whole, different, whole set of different activities that she does. She makes clothes. She sells them at the market. And from those profits, she goes and she buys food for home. She buys a field and then makes a vineyard out of it. She's an entrepreneur doing all sorts of amazing things. She's not idle. And she works willingly, as it says there in verse 13. She doesn't grumble and complain about it. We all know that when we grumble and complain, it kind of detracts from the works that we do, right? And we know that what the Lord says about grumbling and complaining, we shouldn't grumble and complain about anything because we're ultimately sort of being frustrated about our circumstances that God has placed us in, right? So she cares for her home. This woman with excellent character. But she also fears the Lord. Drop down with me to verse 30. It says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You see, it all goes back to her relationship with the Lord. That's the foundation of her excellent character and drives her to have, you know, taking care of her home. All of that goes back to her foundation with the Lord. We know that the book of Proverbs, the, sort of the theme verse of the whole book, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? That proper view of God that we see Him as Creator. We see Him as our judge and we want to live our lives in reverent obedience to the Lord. That's what the fear of the Lord means. And this woman who has great, important character, she fears the Lord. Her relationship to God is what is vital and she wants to pass that on to her children. She has excellent character. Let me share about the impact that this makes in the family's life and even for those beyond the immediate family. 
Let me talk for a moment just about Sarah Edwards. She was the wife of Jonathan Edwards, a pastor who lived just up the road there in Northampton, Massachusetts. And he was a very pivotal figure in the Great Awakening in the 1700s when God moved in dramatic ways here in the Northeast. And much attention is given to Jonathan for his really incredible intellect and his passion for Christ. But Sarah herself was remarkable. She ran the house that they enjoyed incredibly well, a feat in itself considering they had 11 children. The fact that Jonathan, her husband, who was a good dad in many ways, but he also was very committed to his studies. Many times he would spend 13 hours a day just in his studies or maybe counseling with people. And they had a steady stream of visitors. And I don't think it just meant kids bringing a friend over, out-of-town guests whom she would have to prepare and get ready for. She was incredibly busy. But in the midst of all this busyness, she cultivated a strong relationship with Christ. Sarah was not perfect. She had her ups and downs. There was a period in her life after about 14 years or so of marriage where she just kind of had a breakdown. Went through a dark period in her life for about a month or so. But she bounced out of that experience. Then for the rest of her life, really to walk with a greater sense of joy, even in the mundane activities of life, and seeing it all as an act of worship and bringing glory and honor to the Lord. And her impact is absolutely stunning, along with Jonathan's. In 1900, you may have heard of this before, but it's, it's really a mind-boggling study. There was a historian named A.W. Winship. He traced the Edwards lineage. Over 1,400 descendants he tracked down, and he published this in a study. And of these descendants, here were some of the notable ones. Thirteen college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, and a dean of a law school. 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of a medical school, 80 holders of public office, including three U.S. senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice, a vice president of the United States, and a controller of the U.S. Treasury. Winship goes on to list all kinds of institutions and organizations and businesses that they had owned or were directed by the descendants of Edwards. He said, there is scarcely a great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. And according to one biographer, the Edwards descendants, quote, also entered the ministry in platoons and sent 100 missionaries overseas, as well as stocking many mission boards with lay trustees. You say, well, who deserves the credit? Well, obviously God deserves all the credit. We just sing about grace, grace, God's grace. It's all God's grace. Amen? But on a human level, who deserved the praise? Well, I said Jonathan was a great dad. But here is what Winship said himself, this historian who studied these things. He said, Much of the capacity and talent, intelligence, and character of the more than 1,400 of the Edwards family is due to Mrs. Edwards. Mrs. Edwards. Now, friend, this couple was unusually used. I, I, I don't want anyone to feel guilty that you're not going to have descendants like the Edwards family, okay? They're quite a unique family. But I hope it will be an encouragement to sometimes wonder, if we invest in our family this way as a, as a mother, will you see any fruit from this? 
Yes, you will. Yes, you will. And your impact can be much greater than you think. Your life makes a tremendous impact, whether it's your immediate family or generations after that. You never know and can never underestimate the power of a mother with excellent character. Third virtue here of a godly mother is that she passes on the scriptures to her children. Passes on the scriptures to her children. The biblical example we're going to look at is a woman named Eunice, who was the mother of Timothy, of course, who was the associate of the Apostle Paul. Let me just read a few texts so we can get an idea of her. In the book of Acts, we get the missionary journeys, right, of the Apostle Paul. And on his second missionary journey, it says in Acts 16, quote, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. These were cities. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. So Paul encounters this family, some of whom were already Christians, the mother and the son. And so some think that somehow or another that they encountered Paul on his first missionary journey recorded in Acts 14. Maybe they became Christians then or that the church that was established there in Lystra, somehow they became a Christian through that church's influence. Okay? We also know from 2 Timothy 1.5 that the mother's name was Eunice. And her mother's name was Lois, and both of them were Christians. Paul says there, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. But then in the final passage I want us to see here this morning, Paul mentions the mother's role in Timothy's salvation. It says there in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy learned the scriptures from childhood, but he didn't learn it from his father. His father was a Greek, and what Paul's saying there is he was a Gentile pagan. He would not have been passing on the scriptures to Timothy. And so it was his mother, Eunice, that he learned the scriptures from childhood. And friends, this is important. Because you see, we probably get the idea that that Timothy became a Christian as a result of Paul's ministry, but the foundation was laid by his mother passing on the scriptures. That should be a word of encouragement for mothers. That you know what? It may not be you who directly leads your son or daughter to Christ. It might be a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a peer or a pastor or whoever. But that experience of coming to know Christ more than likely is never going to happen unless there's that foundation being laid of a mother who is willing to pass on the Scriptures to her children. Absolutely vital. I appreciate how my wife has done this with our children. I don't do this very often about talking about my wife and bragging on her. She's not here right now. Everyone's looking. Is she here right now? She's not here, so I, she's not going to be embarrassed. And, you know, I won't get in trouble unless you guys tell her after service or something, which I know you will, so go ahead and do it. 
Oh, we have a confession already. Okay. (laughs) But she wonderfully passes on the scriptures to our children. We always try to have a family devotional, which we both participate in. But there's just been additional things that she's done throughout throughout the ages. She played Bible verses on CD to help them memorize the scriptures. When they were able to read, she would require them to read five minutes a day and then upped it a little bit later to 10 minutes a day. And this was part of actually their school requirement. As students in the schools, they would have to read a certain amount of time a day and they would have to fill out a reading log of the book they read, the author, and how much time they read. And so I still get a chuckle thinking about those days when I would have to sign these reading logs before they'd bring them back to school, and it would say, book, Romans, author, Paul, how much time? Ten minutes. I always wondered what those teachers thought about those reading logs. But she hasn't stopped. There are Bible verses written around our house on various things. She created recently a Bible reading plan for one of them. But I think more than anything else, isn't just a checklist to make sure you're reading the Bible, but just an iron will that this is the Word of God. And I expect you to live by the Word of God. And not only that, I'm going to read the Word of God myself and set an example so you can follow in my way. It's not just making sure they take in information, but to see transformation in their own lives as you live it out before them in your own life. Mothers, let us pass on the Scriptures because they're absolutely essential in leading your child to Christ and that they would walk in His ways for the rest of their life. We've been trying to give you a portrait of a godly mother. Friends, this is a high calling. It makes such a difference in the life of a child and the life as an individual child, as a nation like we talked about to begin the message, and most importantly, the church. And mothers, we're so grateful for every single thing that you do. It makes such a difference. As I wrap up, though, I want to give a word of encouragement in case you're feeling like, you know what? I don't measure up to the portrait here. This is a pretty high and exalted portrait we've been seeing from the Scriptures. And you may feel like you fall short, whether it was in the past or whether it's in the present today. Let me encourage you to respond in a couple of ways. First is to acknowledge those shortcomings before the Lord. There's no healing where there's no confession, right? God wants us to acknowledge where we do fall short, to not just pretend that it never happened or that we just want to blame other people or circumstances, to acknowledge, no, I did fall short, and I'm claiming the grace and forgiveness of Jesus that washes away all my shortcomings and all my sins. Amen? I don't preach this message for anyone to walk out of here with a sense of great burden and guilt. But we do need to acknowledge the portrait that scriptures give, right? But I don't want you to end there. I want you to take great comfort in knowing that you can make a tremendous difference with your children even now.
Look at the case of Monica, who saw her son rebel. He wasn't, I think he was in his 30s before he ever turned to the Lord. But yet she never gave up on him and continued to pursue him with passionate prayer that God would change his heart. And he did. Friends, you can continue to make an incredible difference in the life of your children, young or old by telling them of the great things that God is doing in your life, by trying to pass on the Scriptures wherever they're at in life, by praying for them with all your heart, and setting an example of a woman who fears the Lord. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful that You and Your magnificent wisdom gave us mothers so grateful for the impact that they make Lord we pray that each one of us here would focus as we think about our own mothers on the good things and the sacrifices they have made on our behalf Lord we pray for comfort for those who perhaps have lost mothers, particularly in recent years, and recent days, we pray for your comfort. Lord, we pray for our mothers that we have that are perhaps are getting older. Here on this Sunday, we like to set aside a time to pray for the sanctity of life. Lord, let us remember your word says to honor our father and our mother. Part of that means taking care of them as best we can as they get older. Lord, help us to remember that they are so very precious in your sight and let our deeds and actions reflect that as well. Lord, we pray our church would support and encourage women and their high calling as mothers. Lord, we pray for more grace on your behalf to live out this portrait that you have given here today. And we know what a tremendous difference it will make in the lives of the children here today, grown children, and Lord, the ripple effect in our country and through further generations. Thank you again for your word, how precious it is. Thank you for these women who were flawed like all of us, but who, who pursued you with prayer. Lord, who lived out excellent character and who passed on the scriptures to their children. May we do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.